Hi, and welcome to Wild and Woke Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Caroline. And I'm Susan. Come hang out with us as we talk true crime, hauntings, aliens, cryptids, and everything paranormal, paranormal, weird, or unexplained. I feel like I should take that word out because I cannot ever say it correctly. I think that makes it sort of delightful. <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me? We, we can, can hear you. Yay! We can't see you, and that's okay if that's how you want to do it. No, well, let me... I'm not the best at technology, ye be warned, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I was using earlier, and my camera kept cutting out, so I was like, maybe it's just a sign that I shouldn't hey. be using it right now. Hello! <laughs> I love your background. Oh, thank you. My uh, not very professional, all of my uh, <laughs> posters and stuff. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I'm Caroline, and... I'm Susan. Hello. Did you go by Amanda? Yes, Amanda. Awesome. And there's I'm probably so... a cat over my shoulder. Yeah. Yes, there is. Hello. And the small one is walking around here meowing at things. So <laughs> sorry in advance. I don't even know what he's talking about. There will probably be some cat crime. There, There's almost always. Uh, my kitten's like five months old. That's and, the funnest age. And he, like, is constantly just doing crime. Like, oh, But he's cute, so he can get away with it, right? That's exactly. how it works. That's exactly yeah. right. He's adorable, so <laughs> it's fine. It's whatever. So, Amanda, I was telling Susan before we started recording um, about your two Instagram accounts. But oh, can yeah. you kind of tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is Amanda Woomer, and I am an anthropologist, a historian, a paranormal researcher, sometimes investigator, um, and I've written several books. I write for Haunted Magazine and Troy Taylor's Morbid Curious. Um, I'm the owner of the website Spooky. And I um, recently started the all-female paranormal journal, The Feminine Macabre. You are a busy, busy lady. <laughs> um, and I recently just had a baby, so um, I'm <gasps> insane for starting all of this. But, uh, but yeah, so. <laughs> um, how old is your baby? So he just turned a year on August 27th. So yeah. he's he's just a little guy. He's finally mobile, though. So that's made things a lot more entertaining, if nothing else. And exhausting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to those. Entertaining does not seem like the word that I might choose in that yeah. situation. It's a different adjective for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I definitely like my, my children have the paws and I don't do the human children. So it's, it's a joy, but every so often you're like, you know what? Nap time was invented for mothers and not for the babies. I, so. <laughs> I want to hear. So I have the first volume. I bought it on Amazon. And I have not read it yet because I ADHD and because multiple other nanny. reasons. And she's a nanny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to hear about it. I want to hear all about the book and how that came to and um, all the good stuff about it. Yeah. So basically, um, it was kind of floating around in my mind for almost a year after I started Spook Eats. I, I had been writing books for myself and I was going on various podcasts and doing various shows. And as I was doing more shows talking about um, female paranormal investigators, um, I started to notice a trend that um, even though I feel like the majority of people participating in the paranormal, whether it's in the form of investigators or researchers or writers or podcast hosts, at least for me, they're almost all female. They're all women. Um, but for whatever reason, when you turn on the television, that's not what's reflected in any way, shape or form. And I was doing a show over on Paranormal Buzz Radio back last February, I think. So February 2020. And we were doing a podcast about 
women in the paranormal, historically speaking. So we were talking about Catherine Crow, Eleanor Sidgwick, um, Lorraine Warren a little bit, just to spice things up nowadays. Um, and um, I realized that the most of the people that I was talking about, nobody had any idea who I was talking about. So it really started getting me thinking. And, you know, and then you, you know, you go and you ask people, you know, oh, well, can you name your favorite paranormal investigator? And nine times out of 10, they would be able to list tons of men off of the top of their head, but they would really struggle to come up with really any women. Um, so that really started to like get my gears grinding and really got me angry about it. Um, just because I know there are so many incredible women in this field. Um, you know, even looking beyond the paranormal reality TV shows and looking more at the grassroots work of things. Um, so I just, called out uh call for submissions um to see if there were any uh f people who identified as female who would be interested in writing for an all-female paranormal journal and my biggest fear was that um nobody would know about the submissions and no one would want to write for it so i would have to pretend to be 30 different people and just to get it going <laughs> luckily that was not the case i did not have to pretend to be various women in the community um we got over a hundred submissions for volume one um and we whittled it down to 30 women and um what i love about it is that it really encompasses the whole umbrella of paranormal it's the paranormal it's the occult it's the metaphysical it's esoteric um you know you have women who focus on witchcraft and tarot um others who focus more on you know dark history and folklore and murder mysteries and and death positivity and so it's more than just ghost stories and haunted locations. It's uh, it's a really great spectrum of all things strange and unusual. Um, so volume one came out on International Women's Day um, back in March. And um, volume two just came out um, August 30th or 31st. So very, very recently. Um, volume one, we were um, very fortunate enough to have Patty Negri. Um, write our foreword for us um, so people might recognize her from Ghost Adventures. That's what she's probably most known for. Um, she's a psychic medium. She's a witch. Um, very, very popular over in Hollywood. Um, and then for volume two, we got Michelle Bellinger um, that if people have I watched. I love her. I let me tell you, when I like sent the email to be like, well, let's see, because I'm I don't want to say obsessed in case she ever listens to this. I don't want to come <laughs> off as weird. But I love Michelle Bellinger. I've loved her for years and years and years. And so when I sent the email just to see if she would be interested in writing the foreword for us, I was like, I'm not even going to hear back from her. She's probably busy. And within days, she was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And I was like, oh, like really? really? So she wrote the foreword for us. Um, and it's exciting because for volume two, we opened up the volume for individuals who identify as non-binary um, because we want it to be as inclusive as possible. And um, with Michelle's foreword, you know, she opened up about being intersexed and it was just this perfect I don't want to say synchronicity because that's like a buzzword right now, but just beautiful serendipity that. Um, you know, we opened it up to a whole new world of writers and researchers, and Michelle just really added to that inclu inclusive inclusivity. I can't say the word. Being all inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I'm really excited to see um, where it's come already over the last few months, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going, and I'm particularly looking particularly looking forward to not having to pretend to be anyone to uh, keep the thing going. It seems like plenty of people are interested in writing for it. That's amazing. And I honestly, like the first handful of names you mentioned, Lorraine Warren is the only one that I knew and like not necessarily in the best way. Yeah, same. Yeah, And it's, and it's the fun part about the feminine macabre is that you know, anyone can read it. It's not just for women. You know, men can read it, too. Um, and, it, you know, in each volume, you get to know women who are working in the field, actively working in the field. So you get to know these people before they're dead. 
kind of like you know all these famous people in the paranormal a lot of times like you really don't get to know them until they're they're retired or they're dead so you know these women are you know actively working in the paranormal a lot of them are younger so they're going to be around for decades and in each volume we do introduce um a section called paranormal history where we focus on a lesser known um lady in the paranormal so for volume one we talk about Catherine crow um who she was the very first ghost hunter um as we know it today um you know she conducted the very first paranormal investigation back in the 1850s um and then in volume two we talk about um uh zora neale thurston who um Uh, Most people know her from the Harlem Renaissance, but she actually did a lot of work with voodoo and she was the first person to photograph a zombie. Um, So um, it's fun to be able to share, you know, paranormal history with people um, and kind of give an all encompassing story of the paranormal, both the past and the present and eventually the future. That was very cheesy how I ended that. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm leaving it. It's good. Oh no. <laughs> um, so I I found you on Instagram because our like we call her our resident ghoul guide, Yee! Courtney. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, who is like she is crazy about supporting you, which I absolutely love, and we absolutely love her. But that's how I found you. It's kind that's of a, awesome, exciting. Yes, and it's so funny because Courtney is, we're both from Buffalo, New York. We're both in the exact same city. Um, Strangely enough, she went to the same high school as my cousin. So it's like this weird, like, ooh, that's kind of weird, but also cool that that we're kind of connected in that way. I don't even know if she knows that. Um, So if she's listening to this, uh, surprise. Um, But yeah, I absolutely love um, watching Courtney grow in this paranormal community and I mean supporting her is both fun but it's also like I don't want to say like it's a piece of cake but she's doing so much and she's so active and her passion is just so contagious that you can't help but want to support everything that she's doing and you know she's featured in volume one um she has a great piece about um kind of the history of the fear of being buried alive and and kind of like that fear of death and dying um So, and even though she's not in volume two, she's been extraordinarily supportive, constantly sharing and promoting it. Um, So I, I, and honestly, I found you guys through Courtney. So this is all her fault. (laughs) We love Courtney. (laughs) I was going to say something about how you guys met. It was, it came to my mind, but then I forgot. Oh, have you met in person since you live in Buffalo? We actually, we've only connected in real life once. Um, I host public ghost hunts at a small local community theater. Um, and I don't even remember when it was. It was at some point during COVID. I remember because I didn't see her whole face. I So she only has <laughs> eyes in my mind. Um, <laughs> but um, she came to one of the ghost hunts to support the theater. And um, so we actually got to investigate a little bit. It was hard because I was facilitating it. So I have to be all professional and do the same thing over and over again with different groups. But um, I'm actually going to be investigating with her um, in several days, actually. So I'll get to see more of her face and actually get to investigate more with her. So we're hoping, she and I are both hoping to be able to kind of connect more, especially now that my little one is a little bit older. He's not nursing, so he's not as clingy to mama as he used to be. So I can actually (laughs) get out there and um, get back into the field and start investigating a bit more. Um, And especially with her, um, because again, yeah, we're both in the same town. We're both 15 minutes away from each other. And that's a, a happy accident of sorts and yeah I feel like we shouldn't waste it because so many people are kind of isolated Mm -hmm. in the paranormal community they're on their own um so the fact that we're lucky enough to both be in the same city um I think is is I'm very happy about it and and we're very fortunate yeah and she has said multiple times that Buffalo um the New York area is just like this hotbed for paranormal investigations or place you places you can go and investigate so that's really cool yeah it's it's fantastic my very first book was the haunted atlas of western new york and i wrote about over 130 haunted locations in just western new york and i think because you know it was one of the earlier areas that was settled quote unquote and 
Um, you know, it was very, very active during the, uh, the War of 1812. There was actually a lot of battles that happened. So I do think that a lot of it stems from that. Um, but tons of great haunted locations. We always tell people, if you ever come to Buffalo, we have a list of places to take you because they've really embraced their kind of haunted history. Um, there's so many places that are open to the public where you can actually go and investigate. Um, and I, I really appreciate that because um, there's so many places that just kind of tear down and rebuild. Whereas with Buffalo, because it was such a poor city, we couldn't afford to tear things down. So we just repurposed old buildings. Um, yeah. So we have buildings dating back to the early 1800s a lot of times um, because we were just too cheap to knock them down. <laughs> Amanda, can you kind of, because we're both super intrigued by paranormal hospitality. Mm-hmm. Also, we're both really into good food. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so, like, what, what do you mean there. by that? Tell me what you mean by that. Yeah, so with Spook Eats, I really wanted to focus on haunted hospitality. Um, And I basically, at the start of my quote-unquote professional paranormal career I guess I use that term very very loosely because I don't make a lot of money off of this but it's a little bit so let's say it's professional um (laughs) I money coming in yeah little dribs and drabs you know a little trickle (laughs) um but um so I was always really interested in the paranormal um and it was in 2015 downer for a moment my younger brother passed away after a battle with pediatric cancer and it was after his death that I really kind of just jumped in headfirst into the paranormal. I had always kind of been like dipping my toe in it a little bit, but then walking away and then coming back and trying a little bit more. And after he passed away, I really just needed to find answers. There was kind of that desperation of sorts or obsession um, that it wasn't just uh, an innocent curiosity anymore. It was a deep-seated passion that I, I really wanted to try and figure this stuff out and see what what the heck is waiting for us on the other side, if there even is another side. Um, so I found that uh, the places that are really well known, the places that you see on TV a lot, the doom and gloom locations, um, they're um, either extraordinarily difficult to access without being well known or part of a team, or they're just really, really expensive. Um, I am not well known, nor do I have a team, nor do I have a lot of money. So those places were kind of barred from me. So I turned to the haunted restaurants and the haunted bars and the haunted hotels. And I realized that these locations have just as much history as the, you know, the hospitals and the orphanages and the jails and the asylums. They have just as much history. And a lot of times they're just as active as these famous locations, but they're infinitely more enjoyable to visit with things like heat, electricity, plumbing, uh, food, beverages. So I decided to really kind of start shining a light on these haunted restaurants, bars, and hotels that are already open to the general public. They want you to come in and visit them. And for the price of a pint of beer or an appetizer or even a hotel room for the night, you could potentially have your own paranormal experience without spending a small fortune. And for me, making the paranormal accessible to everyone is what's really important, which is why a lot of my books are travel guides. They're haunted travel guides because my my hope is that people kind of turn off the TV, stop watching the reality shows, get up off the couch and go and find answers for yourself. Go and explore for yourself because you might pick up on things that other people don't and you might be able to debunk things that other people, you know, are really passionate about. So I think the paranormal is such a personalized thing and it's such a personal journey and people who are searching for answers about life and death and, you know, what could potentially come next. It's all so personal. You know, you really can't have someone else give you those answers. So by going to these locations that are open to the public, they're, you know, they're easy to visit. Um, but the history is so rich and deep and so are the hauntings. Um, you know, you can have your own paranormal adventure and come to those answers and those conclusions for yourself. I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Uh-huh. Not only the, <laughs> yeah. Not only the books, but the fact that you're trying to make that world more accessible. I think that's beautiful. Like, 
And we've actually talked about that with Courtney too, the cost, the fact that, I mean, and you know, I understand, and we, we discussed this on an episode that she was on with us that, you know, yeah, those places cost a lot of money. The tax, even if it's just a place that they have to pay the taxes and some of those locations, the fact that they're located where they are, the taxes in and of itself is just exorbitant. Yeah. So I understand why they need to bring money in. But at the same time, you're right. That really does cut down on who's able to do those investigations and experience those places. No, absolutely. And and I totally agree that these places, so many of them are historic. So many of them are kind of in a bit of disrepair. So, you know, just to keep the lights on, but it's not just keeping the lights on, it's keeping the roof from falling in or replacing the windows. And, you know, so there's so much um, work that has to go into these locations. And, you know, I don't want to dissuade people from going to, you know, places that you have to pay to investigate. Um, You know, I think that these places should be, you know, preserved and, you know, paranormal investigators are a huge part of preserving these historic landmarks and these historic places. Um, But I also think that you don't have to spend a small fortune in order to access the paranormal. So it is all about a a sort of balance. Balance. Um, Yes. Where it's like, you don't want to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars necessarily. And you don't have to spend that money in order to have these experiences. I always tell people, I suggest going to the haunted hospitality in the beginning as you get your toes wet and then once you become absolutely obsessed like the rest of us then you start paying money to go to the big places (laughs) it's like it's such a good way especially um especially hotels because you do kind of give yourself some access overnight to places Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't have to cost a fortune and it's a really good way to kind of learn how to use and i'm saying this i don't i am definitely not um, I've done like two little tiny investigations basically. And the only equipment we had was like, um, digital recorders. Net, That's all like, you need. That's net, all I really use. <laughs> but if you do want to get into some of the like different equipment and stuff, it, you know, it would be rough to figure out that you didn't really know how something worked or you didn't really have the best technique down for it when you've spent, you know, $700. Yeah. For an investigation, like it's nice to be able to kind of learn those things and try those things out um, in less expensive locations. Absolutely. (laughs) And some of the coolest places I've ever been haunting wise are um, haunted hospitality, like restaurants. Um, We talked, I actually was telling a story about a bar um, in an episode we recorded the other day. That was one of the most haunted experiences I've ever had. And it was in a bar. Yeah, and if you think about it, like bars especially, like especially if it's been a bar for a long time or since it began, just think of the number of people that have come through there and the celebrations that have been had there, but then also the heartaches. And sometimes there's brothels attached to it or murders. And, you know, you have so many stories and so many people coming in to these locations. Um, I'm actually working on a book right now about mostly haunted bars, but basically their connection with former brothels and basically the ghosts of prostitutes and how these locations are kind of bringing eternal life to these otherwise nameless women, these women who would have just been little blips in history um, because these bars and these hotels are you know, giving these women names or saying their names and sharing their stories, you know, they're keeping them alive and making them immortal. And I think I will stand by till the day I die that haunted bars are some of the most active places that I've ever been. The energy is just completely palpable. And again, for the cost of a pint of beer or a vodka cranberry if you're not into beer um you know you can have an amazing experience and be just surrounded by history yeah yeah and I think you're right I think the energy I mean especially a place that's been um a bar or a restaurant or some place that people go for entertainment over decades 
um, just the buildup of energy and like the constant recharging of energy, I think probably is what makes those places so active. Mm-hmm. We have a haunted, well, I don't even, I don't know if it's like haunted. Um, cause I did not go to the paranormal investigation, even though I signed up for it on Facebook, I didn't go. Um, there's a bar here. It's actually a brewery and I live in a super, super small town in Alabama. It's actually called old town Helena and the brewery is on top of the old jail and there's like two cells. That's and very so they, cool. they did a paranormal investigation there and supposedly it was really good. And then two doors down is a bar called Goodfellas and it's been a bar for a really long time. But before that it was, something else that had to do with the jail. Um, so I really wanted to go to that. I did not go, but I will one day. Next I'll get time. back to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so what are these submissions that you were going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Cats are just going to do crime tonight. That's just... <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm I'm thrilled that my my camera's not working right now because my cat is also just like lurking behind me like a super creep. So She's, it's fine. Let me let her out real quick. Hold on one second. <laughs> we I do love not Caroline and I never make it through an entire episode without one or both of our animals doing something ridiculous. That's worth it though. I freaking I I'm a cat girl. Like I. I, I'm not a dog person. I'm a thousand percent a cat person. So as soon as I saw that cat going for those blinds, I was I was here for it. It was fun. They cannot resist the blinds, man. This is a conversation <laughs> we have in my house, like, d- constantly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and do you remember when I had that reading from the medium that was talking about how when my cat acts like this when I'm recording, it's my grandpa? Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten <gasps> oh. about that. But, yeah, that's true. She is <clears throat> never wild like this. Only... When I'm podcasting. Of course, of course. And the other kids are just 24-7 who they are. Yes. <laughs> I got woken up at 4 a.m. because um, the kitten was attacking the blinds behind my bed while standing on my pillow. Oh, my God. I was like, bro. <laughs> Can you please? What are you doing? Hey. Oh, my gosh. And then, yeah. you know, he does that cat thing just looking at me like, the hell's your problem? Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh my You're gosh. right. It's me. I'm sorry. Was I in yeah. your way? <laughs> the nerve of you. <laughs> How dare I be sleeping on my own pillow at 4 a.m.? That's ridiculous. Oh. Oh okay, gosh. let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts. Okay, so I want to hear about these um, submissions. Yes, so... Um, We are opening up submissions for the Feminine Macabre Volume 3, um, and we are opening up submissions um, starting October 1st, and they will remain open until January 1st. So it's a nice window for people to brainstorm, find inspiration, write something up. Um, And I really want to encourage people um, to... To submit something, um, you know, a lot of people say to me, well, you know, I've never been published before. And to which I say, I don't care. Um, people have said that they're not paranormal investigators or they don't go on ghost hunts, to which, again, I say, I don't care. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, as long as you identify as female or non-binary and female, you know, is cis or trans, um, you know, you can submit something to the feminine macabre and it can be about ghost stories or folklore, urban legends, um, death positivity, uh, cemeteries, tarot, witchcraft, cryptids, aliens. We've never had anything about aliens or cryptids for that matter. I, it's, it's like, it's open to anything. And even if you've never been published before, you know, give it a shot, give it a try. You know, I ask that the submissions be edited you know, make sure it's cohesive. If I have to struggle to figure out what you're trying to say, we're not going to have a fun time. and It probably won't get accepted. Um, but, you know, a lot of people who are included in this journal, this is their first time being a published writer. And that's one of the purposes of it. Um, the first time I ever got anything published in a print book, um, it was really a... a, a, a 
a turning point in my life as a writer. You know, I've been writing since I was 12 years old, but nobody ever read what I wrote. Um, and so to get a book with my name on the cover and be able to put it on a bookshelf was really, really impactful and really started my writing career. And I want that to be the same thing for other people. Um, you know, the feminine macabre can be where you get your start as a writer, whether it's the occult, the paranormal, the metaphysical, even dark history, murder mysteries. We've had, you know, a whole slew of different different topics. Um, so if anyone is interested, anyone listening is interested in submitting, um, submission guidelines um, can be found at spookeats.com slash feminine macabre. And that's where you can read all the guidelines, all the boring formatting stuff about word count and bios and stuff like that. Um, but um, I really encourage um, anyone listening to head over there, um, kind of see um, what what we're looking for. It's also open to artists. Um, so if people do photography at haunted locations or they're a psychic medium and they use artwork as a part of their mediumship, um, you know, we're, we wanted to be as inclusive as possible. Um, so um, I really encourage anyone listening to take a chance. Um, you've got, I think it's three months, um, a three month window to kind of brainstorm and, and get it over to us. And um, then we do some magic, put it all together. And we're hoping to get it released for the spring equinox next year. So we'll have a spring equinox and then an autumnal equinox um, next year. So that's what our new plan is. So twice a year, this we want to bring this out um, to, to the masses. So again, I sound like a broken record, but I really, really want to encourage people to you know, take a chance, even if you've never written anything before, if you've never been published before, you've never been on a paranormal investigation before, we don't care. Um, you know, send something over. Um, you've got nothing to lose. We honestly have at least a handful of listeners that have just the ones that have sent things in for our listener stories, mm-hmm. who I so hope will hear this episode, because there are there's at least there's one that I have in mind, and I can't remember her name, but I remember her story. But was- I was like, Ma'am, I don't Amazing. even care Ma'am. if this is like if this is if this is like your actual experience or if this is like a fiction fictional version because it was so well written that I was like on the edge of my seat reading her story or list I can, now I can't remember which one of us read it but just like hearing her story I was like holy crap like yeah. please if you're not writing be writing <laughs> yeah it was really great so I hope that. I hope that our listeners, at least one of them, that'd be fun. Yeah, definitely. Because we definitely, we have read some, we have read some submissions that were just like, this is so well written. Like, this is, the storytelling here is so good. And then other times we were like, why what? didn't I re-proofread this before? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's a little rough, which is okay. Like, we're not. We're not looking for edited. We're just looking for a story. But man, when the ones come through that are like, the storytelling is there and like, but it, you know, you know, when you read something good and you're just like, wow, yeah. that's so well done. Yeah. You want to say like, ladies, you know who you are. This is for you. I genuinely, <laughs> the episode that we read her story, I genuinely said in the episode, if you're not writing for somebody, you should be writing. Yeah. Like, Please I can't remember. Get I that can't out remember there. Who if it you're was. not doing it now, you should be doing it. I could probably um, find hers because it was really good. Yeah, I have the document with all of the stories on there. I should probably try and find that. Like I almost okay. want to, I almost want you to email her and be like, so look. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully she's still listening and hopefully she follows so. us on Instagram. I want no I I want everyone who's ever listened to listen to every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, our most popular episodes, um, well, sort of, are listener stories. So before we end this, do you have any creepy, spooky, wow, I can't believe this happened moments, like, that you want to share with us, personal? So I have a creepy story, but then I also have a really heartwarming story. Which one do you want? Oh. I mean, yeah, we want both, but what order? Oh. (laughs) Okay, I'll do I'll do creepy first. It's like good news versus bad news, but creepy versus heartwarming. Anyway, (laughs) Um, 
So um, my creepy story um, took place in Buffalo, New York um, at Iron Island Museum. I'm sure Courtney has mentioned it um, on past episodes. So um, Iron Island is one of those um, places in Buffalo where everyone knows that it's haunted. It's been on Ghost Hunters. It's been on Ghost Lab. Most recently it was on Portals to Hell. So it's pretty well known in the area. And um, this was in 2019. I was working with Linda, the owner, to put in a temporary fundraiser escape room. Side note, my family and I used to own an escape room before COVID hit. So that was why I was in this situation. Um, fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then COVID came and ruined everything for us, but that's okay. Nobody and everything wants to be kind of in general in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, nobody wants to be in a locked, well, not locked, but in a room with like poor ventilation, touching things that people before them also touched. So, um, but I was putting in this escape room for Iron Island and it was the last day um before people were going to come in and start doing it and i had to finish some of the props so i said to linda like i have to stay and finish this like we have people coming in four hours so she had to drop her mom marge off um at lunch or something so um she was like well i'm gonna have to you know lock you in are you okay with that and i was like yeah that's fine and she goes no like are you are you sure and i finally looked at her and i was like linda should i not be like i know the place is haunted but geez come on um and i had been there before on investigations and you know we've had a couple of experiences and stuff but nothing too impressive or anything um so i wasn't too concerned well i was in the room called the chapel and this room um has a piano it's got a big altar from a local church that burnt down um but across the hall there's a big mirror and i know courtney loves her mirrors i hate them with i also hate mirrors hate them like if you ever ask mr spook eats how many mirrors we have in our house he will begrudgingly say one and it's in the bathroom where it belongs like no other mirrors in the house i hate them i hate them i hate them i hate them um, I too, and I will just tell you that I have I have two mirrors in my bathroom and one mirror in my um, front room where my it's like my vanity, um, and that is it. And uh, there will never ever be a mirror in my bedroom. Thank ever. you. Thank not you. Ever. And my bathroom always has a light on because I will not go into a dark room with a mirror in it. Nope. Nope. I nope. Love mirrors. I have two and one in this corner and then one in Jesus. <laughs> One in that corner. Oh, oh no, that's gosh. Yes, sure, just face the mirrors towards each other. Just create a little portal. It's fine. They're sure. not towards each other. They're they're my yoga mirrors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, yeah. No, I'm with you, Amanda. On yeah. the mirror, hate, hate it. Hate them. Hate them. So hate I was working in the chapel, um, and this was happening in the middle of the day, which is the wildest thing to me. It was probably like two o'clock in the afternoon, but in this mirror across the hall from me. Basically, I don't want to say a shadow person because I do think that that could potentially be something other than like a ghost. But what I saw was a shadowy figure and it was in the mirror um, and I could only see the waist up and it was like dripping out of the mirror. And it only took me about like two seconds to be like, oh, hell no. Um, really quickly, like gathered up my stuff and like very briskly walked back to the kitchen, which is kind of like the safe area. In hindsight, I wish, I wish I could have been brave and like tried to document something or take a picture or, or investigate it. But I think because I was alone, locked in the building by myself, I just did not have any nerve at all. And I just, I didn't run, but I walked really, really fast. And I've never seen anything like that since. I have been back to Iron Island since, and I and I haven't seen anything like that since. Um, but that easily is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. And if I hated mirrors before that happened, now I just I hate them so much. I hate yeah. them. They're the worst. So yeah, I am. I'm typically pretty even keel when it comes to like if something's like even when you feel that like. Like that, ju- like when you feel your stomach jump up into your chest because something like you perceived something that moved weird or you heard something or whatever. I'm pretty good at being like, okay, what could that have been? Like, mm-hmm. where could, like, where did it really come from? Whatever. I'm pretty good at staying calm with things like that. A mirror? Mm, nope. Fuck that. I would have, <laughs> yeah. I would have 
<laughs> legitimately probably screamed and run. <laughs> like, I, was say, I may or may not have peed my pants a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> that is like the thing that I would have been like, oh, nope. Yeah, that was a big nope. <laughs> Let me ask this. Why does it seem like that happens so often that the thing that you see that you normally like, like you said, like, I wish I would have, you know, had the presence of mind or been able to be calm and document it. Why does it seem like when that, like you're in an otherwise good situation to document something? Yes. Nothing happens. Comes at you is the thing that freaks you out in a way that you can't just like stay calm. Exactly. It's like, if like I, I've lost count of the number of times that I've been on investigations and I've got a camera in hand and a digital recorder in the other and I'm ready to go and I'm super brave, I'm prepared and it's nothing happens. But then when something absolutely incredible happens, you're either alone and you mm-hmm. can't prove it or you just don't have any concept of actually trying to be professional about this and and try to document it. So I'm still bitter that I was such a scaredy cat in that instance, but it was the first, it wasn't the first time I had seen something, but it was probably like the second or third time I had ever really actually seen anything with my own two eyes. So for that, I was really excited in hindsight in the moment. Not, not at all. I was not excited. It's just so common. I I feel like I've heard so many times people say if it had been like, you know, whatever it is that that really freaks them out is the thing that like they're like, I saw it, but I just didn't like it freaked me out. And I reacted instead of like saying like instead of doing the thing I would normally do, like I reacted. And then by the time I could calm down, it was too late to document it. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it had to come at you at a mirror. How does it it's, know how to freak you out? <laughs> I don't want to think about it because, I, yeah, I just mirrors. Screw mirrors. Screw mirrors. For sure, like 100% with you on that. <laughs> Sorry, Courtney. And I don't like mirrors. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, hey, what's your heartwarming story? Okay. Heartwarming, not warming. Yes, heart heartwarming. <laughs> Um, so my heartwarming story comes from the Ghost Light Theater. This is the theater that I host ghost hunts at. It's where um, I met Courtney. And um, this is a theater that I've been a member at um, since 2006, I believe. Um, it's in a little town called North Tonawanda, um, basically a suburb of Buffalo. And um, it's community theater. Um, I've been a member um, since 2006. My brother, who I mentioned earlier, um, who passed away in 2015, um, he was also a very active member. And um, so my brother passed away in 2015 after being really active in the theater for years and years, being friends with the owner's kids, like like a second son to them. And this was in 2017, so it was several years after he had passed away, and we were doing a very small private ghost hunt for just theater members. Um, so we all knew each other, we were all comfortable with each other, and it was really the first time we were trying to start digging into the paranormal in this building that so many people had had experiences at over the years, including my brother. Mm-hmm. Um So um, while I was there, I was down in the basement and I was down there with um, two of my girlfriends and we all kind of just scattered. We all wanted our own corners to just quietly do our own investigations. And so I was doing an EVP session and um, that's really the only area of the paranormal investigations that I tend to get any success. I never photograph anything. I never get anything on film. I only get EVP. And um, so I was doing my EVP session by myself and Suddenly, in an instant, I just had it put on my heart to just reach out to my brother. Um, It's something that I I had never done before and I haven't done since. Um, I think it can be a slippery slope into becoming an obsession. Um, And you also don't necessarily know who you're really talking to. So it can be dangerous in that way as well. Um, But it was put on my heart. Um, I'm trying to get better at following my intuition. So in that moment, I did follow my intuition. And I just said, you know, dude, are you okay? I need to know that you're okay. This is why I'm here. And obviously at the time I didn't realize I'd caught anything. Um, but in hindsight, as I was listening back on my recording a few days later, um, I got his voice. 
um, down in the basement with me in response to that question directly after I asked it. Um, and it was from when he was about 11 years old. So he passed away when he was 19, but the height of his career, quote unquote, at the theater, he was about 11 or 12. And his voice was this high pitched little voice from when he was a little kid. And it just says, I'm fine. And it's wild because you can hear the echo like he's down in a basement with you. Um, that was amazing in and of itself. That exact same night, um, one of my friends who she is a paranormal investigator. She has her own team. She's very, very gifted. She's sensitive. She was snapping pictures and down in the basement in the exact same spot I was doing my EVP session. She snapped a photograph on her cell phone, of all things. Um, and it is a photo of my brother when he was about 11 years old. Um, it's actually a carbon copy of a family photo that we have from the first day of school from what, fifth or sixth grade. And you can see his long brown shaggy hair. He's got a green t-shirt on. You can see his jawline. You can see his collar. You can see that he even has a backpack on. Um, and it's in the exact same spot that I got that EVP. So I always say just to get the EVP would have been amazing. And just to get the photo would have been amazing. But to get them both in the exact same place on the exact same night is just absolutely mind boggling to me. And if I never got anything else ever again on any paranormal investigation, it wouldn't matter because that is exactly what I was searching for was that acknowledgement that he was still around because he's in a building surrounded by people that very night filled with people that knew him and loved him. Um, oh, yeah. So why wouldn't he kind of appear? Um, so that's my heartwarming story. Um, I absolutely I love, love the ghost light theater. I've seen my brother there since he's passed away with my own two eyes. I've heard his voice there. Um, other people have seen him. Um, so I, I really feel like it's a very special place um, that my brother likes to pop in from time to time just to make sure the building's still going, we're still okay. Um, so, so yeah, that's my, that's my happy ghost story. Um, you know, so many people tell scary ghost stories, but I always like, I always like the heartwarming one because I feel like so many people enter into the paranormal because they lose a loved one. Um, and that's kind of the, it's the white whale for everyone. The elusive white whale is, you know, to find proof of life after death again, intelligent life after death. And I do think that on that particular night that I managed to brush against that even for just a moment. As so, a theater kid from way back, it makes perfect sense that he would just like periodically pop in and hang out at the theater. Yeah, he loved it there. So it's his clubhouse. So as he should, totally. it's his place. <laughs> and I mean, I've never, I've never been in a theater that wasn't haunted. Yeah, exactly. Every good theater has at least one good ghost story. So I mean, this that's one why we denied. literally, I mean, your theater is called the Ghost Light, but yes. every theater has a ghost light. Thank you. Everyone's <laughs> always like a ghost light. What's that? And I'm like, oh, gosh, OK. Folklore. <laughs> we all have ghost lights. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you ever tell that um, on your tours? So, um sometimes I always have to kind of like read the room to see mm -hmm. what kind of group is here because you kind of have the range between the bros who are looking to hunt some ghosts yeah. that, the ones they, that have watched way too much ghost adventures and put on I, their tightest t-shirt for the occasion I mean you said it not me <laughs> <laughs> but like those guys are the ones that want to hear about the shadow man dripping out of the mirror at Iron yeah. Island they don't want to hear about my sob story with my brother but then you have the people who are genuinely there searching for answers about the afterlife and and or people who have just lost a loved one. And those are the ones that you really, those are the nights that you have amazing interactions, great results. Um, and you really feel like you make a connection with the spirits that are at this, this building. You know, we have ghosts from there that, you know, supposedly are there from over a hundred years ago. And then we clearly have people who were theater members that have passed away just, just over the last few years. So it's a wide variety of, interesting characters that kind of pop in from time to time on these, on these ghost tours and on these ghost hunts. I love that. I just love it. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing better than a good theater ghost. And like <laughs> the fact that it's your brother and you get to see him every now and then, that's just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's the only thing that's really brought me comfort since he's passed away. You know, some people after they lose a loved one, they, 
you know, start going to church a lot more or they go to the bar a lot more. And like for me, it's like I go ghost hunting a lot more, but it's the only thing that's helped. And I find that that's how a lot of people cope with their grief and loss of a loved one. A lot of people have really started turning to the paranormal. So it's very interesting to see how it's kind of become an acceptable way to grieve death. Um, I'm interested to see how again. Yeah, it, exactly. It's, we've it, talked, we've it talked about this before on the podcast, just the fact that there's this ebb and flow of um, spiritualism and paranormal yeah. um, interest, just yeah. like how mainstream it is and how, you know, it seems to like there, it hits these high points and then it kind of dies down a little bit. And then we're kind of back in um, in like a pretty high point, basically in the same place we were in the 1920s yeah 100 years ago when spiritualism was extremely popular yeah yeah it's a hundred percent i'm actually super like one of my areas of i will not say expertise at all but areas of interest there we go is spiritualism and just you know victorian and edwardian spiritualism and just yeah how it uh, reflects on the suffragist movement and feminism, but then also the whole culture on death and dying and how grieving was becoming more public with people like Queen Victoria and Mary Todd Lincoln. And then it was okay for people to share their grief. So it's, it's, you're a hundred percent correct in saying that this is, you know, we're, we're, we're getting familiar with talking about the paranormal in our grief, but we've already done this before. It hits just history repeating itself. It's so true. I love um, it. Those are both great stories, by the way. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I was not expecting that, but you hit us with the best ending to a podcast ever. Totally. Yay! Like, I, can't, I don't know. I, like, hit the outro. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, I do want, Amanda, to um, plug your social media so our listeners can find you. If you could do that, that would be awesome. Absolutely. So, um, if you're looking for just my personal stuff um, with Spook Eats and the Haunted Hospitality. Um, that is available at SpookEats.com. And then on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's all just at Spook Eats. Um, and then um, for the Feminine Macabre in particular, if people are interested in finding copies of it or um, reading those submission guidelines, um, you can go to SpookEats.com slash Feminine Macabre. Um, and then we also just recently started an Instagram solely dedicated to the feminine macabre um and that's just on instagram it's just the feminine macabre with periods between the words to be cool i guess um but <laughs> those are um those are um the two main um spookies and the feminine macabre where you can find all the updates and fun stuff i'm a millennial so i'm addicted to social media so i'll be around uh, yeah same <laughs> yeah of course i'm um, technically gen x but like just <laughs> oh, jealous. Oh. <laughs> Jess. I'm hanging on. I was born in December of 79, and I am hanging on to that, like, yes, 20-ish days of the 70s that I was alive for. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate you, you so helping much. us spread the word on the feminine macabre. So. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I don't mind at all. Um, I'm going to do our outro real quick, if you don't mind, okay? Okay, sounds good. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for the continued support. Please find and follow us at Wild and Woke Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you're looking for bonus content, early episode releases, and free merch, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. If you have any weird, creepy, or wow, I can't believe this happened moments, please reach out because we want to share them. Our email is wildandwokepodcast at gmail.com. And before Susan does her thing, uh, we officially, again, once again, have a website. It's wildmookpod.com. So go visit it and just scroll around because it's really pretty. I did that today. Okay, Susan. <laughs> and remember, all stories start somewhere. Be wild, stay woke, and question everything. <laughs>